You're as tall as a person. You're vaguely humanoid, but you are clearly not human. I don't Mm -hmm. know what you are. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are talking about the spirits of Somerset County, New Jersey. So Mm -hmm. these are going to be urban legends and lore specifically about that area. Yeah, for a very special reason. We're not at current planning to cover every county. (laughs) No, I mean, not against it. In the United States. Maybe we should. Based on what I found, (laughs) it might be a party. Yeah. But uh, no, we're doing this to celebrate for you see, mm-hmm. Kristen and her husband and our mother have just purchased a house in Somerset County. Yes. And this means you got to get to know the neighbors. Absolutely. You've got to learn what are, what is the lore? What is the history here? Are there monsters in this uh, county? Mm-hmm. And the answer, spoiler alert, is Yes, and they're amazing. Yeah, I have to get familiar with the local haunts, and I don't just mean the local quick check. Chris. Well, so um, I wasn't even looking for this, although I'm sure I would have gotten around to looking up spooky things in Somerset County. Sure. But I had heard about a book about the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, which is where the Jersey Devil is said to be from. And I wanted to read that book. And whenever I want to read something, I first look in the Libby app, which is the library app for ebooks. If you have a library card, because I'm like, can I get this free? So I looked and there wasn't that for free. But there was, I guess there was another book about the Pine Barrens that was one of those, like, um, they have them in a lot of Barnes and Noble things where it's like about your individual town. They all kind of look the same. They all kind of have like sepia tone covers. And I was like, oh, these books are on Libby. All right. Let me see if there's one for um, Highland Park. And there wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay. Let me see if there's one for like Somerset where I'm going to be moving. And this, a a book came up. That was right up my alley so perfectly called Legends and Lore of Somerset County by Michael Haynes. Mm -hmm. So even better than one of those like historical books. And so I told Will about it and we are using it as the only source material for this week's episode. We went through when we did a Patreon planning live stream at the beginning of the month. We do that every month on patreon.com slash gttu pod we sit down and we plan out the next month of shows with our patrons there and we went through this book chapter by chapter and we're like i'm gonna take dead river witch i'm gonna take this guy i'm gonna take the goo goo i'm gonna take the library ghost yeah we we said it was like picking a team for like baseball and gym like uh i want uh gary on my team right that's the other captain's term to, to to pick someone so we each sort of like picked our monster and lore from this book Mm-hmm. And man, good thing this book exists because I even separately Googled some of these topics to get other uh, like sources and points yeah, of view. other sources, other coverage. There's almost nothing for mm-hmm. a lot of mine where it's just like, oh, it just took this this author, Michael Haynes, doing the research to find them at all. Right. Otherwise, this is way underground. Right. Nobody's talking about these things. Right. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. So as I get to know my new area a little bit. So shall you. Yeah. So Will and I are going to go back and forth with these stories and just see what we got here in Somerset County, New Jersey. So I'll kick us off and I'm going to talk about the chapter from the book, The Dead River Witch. So this is something that happened in Liberty Corner in Bernard's Bernard's Township, New Jersey. So first of all, I think I had assumed that Dead River Witch was like, describing the witch she's dead and she's in a river that is not the case this takes place near a river called the dead river oh so dead river is a noun here not verbs describing the witch so it's not quite as scary adjective yes adjective thank you look at (laughs) that was a test thank you you passed (laughs) flying colors baby good for you (laughs) okay uh so, so yeah, not quite as scary off the bat as it sounds. And the story is that there was a Lenape village by the river, and there was a medicine woman whose name we don't know, who has become known as the witch. So she didn't do anything witchy in life that was wrong or scary, but it's just kind of part of the scary story and lore that we now call her the Dead River Witch. She lived below a giant black walnut tree near the riverbank, And she was known for wearing a multicolored shawl in life. 
And then after she died, villagers still saw her and that distinctive shawl that really stand out around the tree that she had lived under on the Dead River. After her death, the tree kept growing. And as it grew, it got humongous and developed this huge chasm in the trunk, which was big enough to fit a person, which reminds me of Sleepy Hollow, like the Tim Burton version with the tree that has like a million heads in it. Uh, So while she didn't harm anybody in life, in fact, because she was a medicine woman, she probably helped people. It said that people who hung around too close to the tree after her death would disappear. So that's when the legend of the Dead River Witch was born and the Lenape started to avoid that area. Mm. Years and years later, there was a nine-year-old girl whose name was Martha Maddock and she went missing. And the locals reported having last seen her near that riverbank with a woman wearing a rainbow patterned shawl. So there were searches for Martha and or the woman who she was seen with so you get some sort of lead, but they didn't turn anything up. And people wonder if this was the Dead River Witch again claiming somebody. So Michael Haynes points out that logically, obviously, Martha could have fallen into the river and drowned. And also there were a number of caverns and hollows that like a small person could fit into and then not be able to get out of, which is all really awful to theorize, but is obviously more there's more credence to that than the dead river witch took her away and they never found martha the family eventually just presumed that she was dead and they erected a tombstone in her honor with no body underneath it that's so scary and sad and horrible. i know it's also like eileen treacle mm-hmm. i know i was thinking the <laughs> very, same thing very much like eileen treacle yeah and blair witch mm-hmm. right. do you want to say anything about blair witch sure i'm writing blair witch there's a new hunter killer <laughs> box coming out I don't want to sound like I'm selling it, although please buy it because they pay my I'm mortgage. I'm selling it. Please yeah. buy it. Go to hunttokiller.com slash Blair Witch. They're doing a box. It's six episodes every month. I'm a writer on them. Yeah. And I'm... Guys. I'm writing Blair Witch, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Like officially, like with Lionsgate oh, and yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that. William and I have talked about Blair Witch on the show a million times. Yeah. It's one of our favorite movies of all time. And now William is writing Blair Witch. William is living the dream. Yeah, I, I you're correct. Yeah, it's very fun. It's uh, uh, very surreal. I'm really excited that it's launching. It's launching like next month. Mm-hmm. Like not on sale yet. Right. But on sale soon. So huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. Yeah, and you can sign up for updates on when it's coming up, uh, coming out at that website. You can yes. put your email address in and they'll let you know when it's out. Yeah, yeah. Did a lot of uh, like literally writing like the the, the overall arc of the story. Mm-hmm. It's like an escape room in a box yeah. kind of. So it is it is a game but it's also a story. Like you're going to get the next chapter of this story every month that you play and discover. It's like you get to play a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like you get to play a movie. So I wrote uh, alongside our showrunner Eleanor Haney and other writer Travis Madden. We came up with the entire arc we wrote the individual like documents and everything for the gameplay of it. You might, might, might even hear my voice, even if you don't know it's me. Um, you're gonna. Th- there's also a guide to the unknown reference. At least one. At least one reference. I think got through. Yeah. So you can look for that. I'm not even gonna tell you what it is. How cool is that? Yeah. So that's an aside, but that's yeah, an aside. I couldn't yeah. let it go by. I know. I know. Part of me didn't even want to. Bring it. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of times that I do bring it up yes. with more actionable stuff. Because again, as of this recording, you can't even buy it yet, but it's coming out October 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a lot of what we're covering here, I, listen, I love Blair Witch. Yeah. And so much of what I love about Blair Witch, I got out of these stories. Mm-hmm. Like that story of a girl that drowned in that creek or is theorized right. to. Like it's those, it's those small pieces of history and lore that um, when you collect them all together and put them in a book about the spirits of Somerset County, they all really add up to like this. You can build this theory in your head of like something is going on there. Right. There's right. a lot. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy for a kid to completely go missing and no one knows where they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's also not impossible that like Eduardo Sanchez and Dan Myrick, who made Blair Witch Project and wrote the story of a little girl, Eileen Treacle, who drowns in an inch of water. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible that they heard a story that story or a right. story a lot like it no it's not and modified it for their purposes yeah. from new jersey down to maryland yeah is it that's... that big a stretch no not really yeah no you're absolutely right all right um i'm gonna go with then do you want to get do you want a big one or do you want a, a weird little one whatever you want let's do a big one because mine was little let's do a big one okay so here's here's a biggie 
This is the Great Swamp Devil. Okay. Okay. Now, evidently, there is another devil in New Jersey, aside from the Jersey Devil. Lives in the Great Swamp National Wildlife Refuge of Somerset County. There is no definitive origin for this thing. Okay. It just exists. Okay. It's just a devil in that swamp. The first sighting of it, however, is known. We don't have a story like, you know, Mrs. Leeds said, Mm -hmm. may my 13th child be a devil. We don't have that. But in 1745, a Dutch parson was traveling home and reported that as he was crossing the White Bridge Road, he... And his horse got spooked. Okay. (laughs) Spooked real bad. Uh, They saw a pair of green eyes staring at them from off in the brush. It was as tall as a man, and it had appendages on its back. Which I read that phrase. I was like, ew. Like, it made me think of... um, Sea monkeys? No. Okay. (laughs) Sea monkeys. Wasn't there, like, a gross TV show of sea monkeys? And I feel like they had, like, weird crap on their back. Weird crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appendages. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. I, I I remember that that show existed, but I remember nothing else but that it existed. Okay, um, okay. It made me think of Jeepers Creepers. Oh, okay. You know, just like weird, like gross body stuff on this creature. What? So, wait, what weird gross body stuff is there on Jeepers Creepers? He collects body parts and he's got wings and he collects extra body parts. Oh, I know, but they're own not, body parts. But, but on him, are there extra body parts on his body? Well, he's got like gross like mandible flap things on his head. Uh-huh. I don't know. It just gave me an image of like a real a real creep. Yeah, this is this is a creep. A real creepazoid. Yeah. It's just like, I don't even know what you are. You're as tall as a person. You're vaguely humanoid, but you are clearly not human. I don't mm-hmm. know what you are. Yeah. Um, as the story goes, um, this Dutch parson said that the figure was as tall as a man, covered in hair, which also made me think Blair Witch. Mary yeah, Brown right. describes the Blair Witch as being covered in horse hair. Yep. It unfolded enormous wings and flew away, leaving the parson terrified and shocked. Okay. That is sighting number one. Yeah. All right. I can see how that's like Jeepers Creepers with the wings now. When I was just thinking there are appendages on the back. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I gotcha. Describing just like the appendages. I don't know. I was know. thinking like arms or like some sort of that's, like protruding thing. Yes. Yeah. That is sort of what I, I was imagining as well. It's just like not really mm-hmm. shaped right. Right. Um, now let's get to a crazy story because that's a relatively simple sort of like basic sighting. Here is something that has ramifications throughout history to this day. And I have never heard this story before. Okay. I have to make this very long story a little bit short, but it's so bonkers. Check the show notes for that book. If this is your jam and you want to know all about where Kristen's going to live, <laughs> you need to read this book and particularly the chapter on the Great Swamp Devil. Also, I want to say if anybody is concerned, because I think some people may know that Will and I live in the same town currently, I'm only moving 15 minutes away. Yeah. 15 long minutes. No, still very close. <laughs> I tried to find something in town and we couldn't. Understood. Yeah. Um, now the town is all mine. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you wanted all this time, it wasn't is. it? This town will now you be bought up the real estate. It'll be rechristened Williamburg. <laughs> oh my god! I should have seen. Mom, we got to change our plans. Ryan, call the lawyer. Fine, I'll sell you some lots at a premium. <laughs> so anyway, there was a guy named William Alexander, who also my favorite drink, William Alexander. <laughs> who owned the land where the swamp devil was rumored to live. This is approximately the same time. This is late 1700s. William Alexander, at some point in his past, had tried to become the king of Scotland. Okay. And it was rejected. Ouch. To to make himself feel better, question mark, he instead started going by Lord Sterling. He gave himself the name... (laughs) Lord Sterling. Anyway. Ouch. I know. So William Lord Sterling Alexander is a nut. Yeah. True blue nutso. And he decided that he wants to bury his tremendous wealth in a tunnel near his estate in Somerset County. Now, if you're going to bury your treasure, Mm -hmm. what better plan than to have something to guard it? Should I find this treasure? I, Kristen... You're not far off. Okay. I do advise that we go out there looking for treasure. All right. He decided, I need something to guard my treasure. Is there anything better to guard my treasure than the devil? So he got hundreds of men and dogs to help him hunt the great swamp devil. Here's the crazy thing. As the story goes, they caught him. 
Okay. I wonder what this was. I don't know what the hell this story even is. It's just in the well, book no, but if and they caught, it is true. If, if we're saying they caught something, I wonder what this something was. Like, what did they catch? And they were like, it's the devil. See, I, I think that Lord Sterling made this up, caught something. It was a, a fever for attention. Okay. Yeah. I think that this whole thing is made up. He was thirsty. He was thirsty. He was the thick, thirsty boy. <laughs> T-H-I-C-C, Lord Sterling, thick and thirsty. So they hunted the devil, they got him, okay, and they lassoed him to a tree. Now, per Michael Haynes, who wrote this book, you can still find that tree, it stands today, you can still f- see the faint rope marks and bullet holes in its trunk. Cool. Plotting a trip. Yeah, to absolutely. See this tree. That's awesome. Now, they managed to, not only did they trap the devil, they managed to get it down into the tunnel to guard the money. Mission accomplished. Except... Then sightings of the great swamp devil continued. And oh, so somehow it there. got out and no one knows how. But also William Alexander, a.k.a. Lord Sterling, decided the rumors of the great, great swamp devil itself might be enough. So whatever, we're good. Enough to protect the money yes. and that the swamp devil might be down there or it might be in the swamp. Correct. Man. So he just let it kind of go that the devil got out despite, you know, spending all that time and, and presumably money getting hundreds of people to certainly help him catch it. He just was like, eh, whatever. It got away. No big deal. What a scene. I wish somebody in our community was like, I will pay you. I'm wrangling tons of people. I know. You know, like a search you see in a movie or something, but we're searching for a swamp devil or a monster. I'd be there toot sweet. I would drive would by. Here's what I do. I would drive by the site of the gathering, make sure there are a bunch of other people there so I can fold into them oh and not God. stand out too much. If you get there and it turns out it's just you yeah. and Lord Sterling. Yeah, exactly. That's no good. So I would do a drive-by and give the eyeball to the situation and then maybe go. I would also make you do it with me. I wouldn't be by myself. I I'm not, I don't need to do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to catch no devil. No, you would totally do that. If somebody put an ad... Catch the devil? If so- William, do you believe that there's a devil to catch? Yes. Right. So if somebody... We recently put- got a two-star review that... that hit the show hard because I don't believe enough. So right. from here on out, yes, of course I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. So uh, whatever. Anyway. Why, of course um, I believe in everything. Right. <laughs> that, was a, that was rough stuff. But um, but no, if there was like, if somebody posted in the I'm from Highland Park group yeah. and said, hey, I need a lot of people to get together to hunt a monster, you wouldn't be curious? I'd be, oh, I'd be curious, but to, I'm, I don't want to run around in the swamp. Mm, I don't know. I feel like we'd give it a shot. Ookie. It is ookie and gookie. It's sucky. You <laughs> it know? It's sucky. Yeah. Gross. Uh, now, the, one of the craziest things about William Alexander, he'd eventually serve in the Revolutionary War. Even George Washington would come to refer to him as Lord Sterling. <laughs> oh, my God. His nickname that he adopted for himself paid off. It's almost the craziest part of the story to me. Um, Did um, he dig up this wealth of his later or anything? No. No, no, no. You know, I wasn't even really actively watching it because I felt like I've got the lay of the land from watching Tiger King. But there yeah. was a special on about Carol Baskin and the idea that she killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And he buried money like all over his property. Oh. And they said like, yeah, he was so rich that if he got some extra cash, he would just bury it. And they were saying kind of like, yeah, it's not that weird. And I was like, I can't conceive of being so rich that you just put like a bunch of money in a mason jar and then like put it in the ground by your porch. No, I bury it today and then dig it up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's such a weird practice. It's I, so it bizarre. It doesn't even seem, I know. It doesn't seem like the best way to do it. So here's the thing. Lord Sterling eventually died. His house burned down and the location of his gold underground tunnel vault is unknown to this day. So... On top of all this, on top of the great swamp devil story, maybe there is the treasure of Lord Sterling hiding out there in Somerset County for you to find. There's a treasure to be hunted. There's a treasure. All right. One other story about the great swamp devil. Eh, two. I'll make them short. Please. In 1888, a family uh, was crossing a bridge. They came across the devil as well. Um, Tall (laughs) eyes that flowed green. The whole thing. This time it spoke. Seems to be the only time it ever did. It said, leave New Jersey or you will be doomed. Oh. The Abel family, uh, it said in the book that there was nothing special about them where it was like, why would you focus on this guy and his family to make them go away or whatever? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just you, left. Yeah. And then like a paragraph later, they say, also, he left a bunch of unpaid debts behind. He left so fast. 
which I'm like, well, that could be motive to want to skip town. Absolutely. Right? Yes. So, yeah, and you're like, oh, I, I had to leave all this stuff done. The devil told me to leave. What am I going to do? Yes. Then there's this, which I really, I really like this story and image, and it's very cute for me. In the 1930s, two guys who were just hired to work on that swamp for like a, you know, a government national works project or whatever named Bill and Bob. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Me and my old writing partner, Bobby, were hired to work in the swamp and they find the tunnel. They find Lord Sterling's tunnel. Oh, man. They find it. They're curious. It goes down underground. So they go down into it, even though it's like a really teeny tiny opening to get down there. They're looking around. They're like amazed that they're seeing all this stuff. It's a treasure vault, whatever. But they hear a sound. The devil's down there. So they scamper back up the rope, taking not so much as a doubloon mm. and scampering out of there, uh, which is a very Bill and Bob thing to do. <laughs> to yeah. Like There's treasure there. and We accidentally ran away. To me, it's very like There's a, a devil. Uh, yes. It's like a, a Three Stooges kind of notion to me, yeah, or like an Abbott and Costello there. of like, we're just two humble blue collar workers. What? <laughs> oh, come on, you chucklehead. You think you found the tunnel that has all the treasure in it? Come on, let's get out of here. Yeah. And like run away and they don't have any of the, the, the wealth. Right, anymore. right. <laughs> you know, it just closes, closes with that like little iris. Yeah. Slowly <laughs> closing in on them, fading to black. Um, rumors swirl today uh, that people who go jogging around the Great Swamp, because they're now in the modern era in 2020, there are jogging paths and everything. They may find themselves suddenly joined by the devil, Ooh. who is flying alongside them and is faster than any human. So much so, uh, is this story popular that that these days there is a great swamp devil race, a 5k and a 15k that still go down. There's also in the area, a Lord Sterling school. Oh my God. So it's all, it's all living history, you know, like it's all still happening. Right. Yeah. So there you go. That's the, that's the story of the great swamp devil. It's a, it's a, a subtle lineage. Yeah. Another devil in Jersey that I've never heard anyone talk about. Neither have I. I want to want to do the Swamp Devil 5K. Oh, God. I don't actually want to. I wish that I did. Yeah. That seems like a cool thing to do if I was into running. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the Pluckaman Orbs. Mm. This is from Pluckaman in Bedminster Township. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Some of the very first Native Americans to settle in New Jersey did so by the Schlee Mountain in what would later become Pluckaman. And shortly after they arrived, they they began seeing big blue orbs every night. Began big blue, was hard to say. They started to see big blue orbs every night, which seemed to come from the mountain and streak around like crazy. So they would fly down over the mountaintop. They'd stop. They'd change direction. They basically just acted in an unnatural way. Not talking a shooting star here that's just going from left to right or what have you. It's acting like something is controlling it or manning it. Zigzagging and moving on some path. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's doing whatever it wants to do. It can stop. It can turn around. Whatever. Cool. Um, these lights would occasionally hover and their size would vary sometimes, but they all carried the same blue color, which is described as luminescent and kind of like the blue of a gas burner, like a really, really intense glowing blue. So that group of Native Americans ended up moving on from that area because of the weirdness of these lights. They didn't feel good about them. They didn't know what the deal was or anything, but they felt like this was evil and we probably shouldn't be settling down here. We should be getting away. So the Lenape tribe also experienced lights all over the state and of different color and size. They weren't all necessarily blue, but they also thought of them as something to fear. Um, Spots where those lights were seen uh, a lot were to be avoided and the Schley Mountain continued to be a hot spot for them. So nobody was really into this Schley Mountain. Schley, Schley, not sure. So then when the colonists started to roll in during the 16th century, they also saw these lights. But the promise of farming the landscape was enough to cancel out their fears and they took over the land anyway. They were like, look, we want this stuff. I know there are crazy lights and everything, but we're still pushing you out and we're still taking this land because we can farm it and we can make money on it. So like, screw whatever this is. Yeah. But this I found very interesting. Once they occupied the land, they gave the lights a name. The Mother Preakness Lights. They named them after a supposed witch who lived in Summit, New Jersey. The idea being that the lights were the spirits of Mother Preakness and her coven coming over the mountain to do their magic in the fields below. 
And it turns out, I didn't look into this further, but witches and magic were more tolerated in New Jersey than in other places in New England, Hell namely yeah. like Massachusetts. Um, go figure, right. right? I know. So they were willing to tolerate the lights and what they meant as long as they didn't affect the crops. They were always looking out for that bottom line. And so they just kind of lived with them, but regarded them as something magical from the spirit world. And they're just like, all right, fine. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Can I that, piggyback off of that? Yes, please. Because That's I, it for that. one of my things for the lights was about the different colored lights and what they mean. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's sort of simple. It's pretty straightforward, actually. There are white lights, which are said to be angel lights. They're possibly benevolent. Maybe they ward off evil. Mm. There are yellow lights, which may be marking where treasure is buried. So keep an eye out for that with Lord Sterling's gold. That's right. However, they do point out that treasure obviously has the multiple meanings of like one man's treasure can be another man's trash. Sure. You know, where it's like maybe Lord Sterling's treasure was like, yeah, maybe it's not necessarily doubloons. Like I mean, he's a powdered wig collection. Right. And like, he's a weird guy who gave himself his own nickname because he wanted to be the King of Scotland. Right. So maybe it's like a paper crown. It's like model drawings he, of uh, a, he made of himself. Yeah. Right. Something that was emblematic of him becoming King and it never happened. Exactly. But even still a yellow light should be pointing out treasure mm-hmm. regardless of the, the meaning that treasure holds. Okay. Uh, blue or violet light portend doom. Supposedly, Charles Lindbergh and Orson Welles each saw blue lights themselves, bringing their own form of, you know, yeah, they're like harbingers for Mm -hmm. them. Red lights are truly evil. Per the book, these are the lights that want men's lives. Green lights are even worse. Green lights want everything your body, mind, and soul. Oh my God. So keep away from green, red, blue. Don't worry about white and yellow. Yeah, cool white and white yellow and are yellow. fine. Yeah, all good. Holy moly. Yeah. All right, good to know as I venture into this strange new land from 15 minutes away. All of this implies that like you're going to cross like the town line <laughs> and like there's going to be a devil. Right. There's going to be all these lights swirling all over the place. Yeah. There's going to be kids in creeks. I'm going to be basically like walking through a vortex into something crazy. Yeah, exactly. Although there's weird stuff here too. Like, I know. You know, there, there was... Well, that's the thing that I'm really thinking about through all of this because mm-hmm. like... We're covering Somerset County, New Jersey right now, but I'm really like everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere on the planet, Mm -hmm. there is folklore. There are stories, but we've forgotten them. Anytime there are people, there are going to be folklore and scary stories. Yes. So we are social creatures. Yeah. Uh, We see things that aren't really there. Or we see things and have a hard time convincing other people we saw them. Mm -hmm. And also, we die and leave stories behind us. Right. And so there's just, there's history everywhere you go. And we like to contextualize things in a spooky way. Mm -hmm. I certainly do. Yeah. We were, well, we were talking about that um, on that Patreon episode with Chelsea that like when something new is going on, you're obviously, if it's a positive thing, excited about it, but it's also an unfortunate part of human nature to then also jump to the worst case scenario and how could this go badly? And a lot of that then is like, how could this be evil? How could this be scary? It's true. So these stories spring up around everything. It's so interesting. And they're survival tactics. Mm -hmm. Like the Dead River Witch story could literally just be a story saying, be careful yes. around the water. Yes, exactly. Because that tree was right at the riverbank. Yep. And so if you fall into the river, that's that can yes. be really, really dangerous. So stay away from the river, children, mm-hmm. or the dead river witch will get you. Right. Using yeah. storytelling to get that message across in a way that'll stick a little bit more than just like, don't do it. Don't go to the river. It's dangerous. Don't do it because I said. And right. don't do it because you might get hurt. Because when you do that stuff, kids want to test it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you say the dead river witch will get you, yeah. that stuff will haunt their nightmares. Oh, and yeah. Give them trauma and therapy is needed and all sorts of fun stuff. Right. If witchy mambo is going to do something to you, then you want to stay in line. Uh, Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. So before we move on to more spooky stories, we want to tell you about an awesome movie that you should check out and you can do it from home. Yeah. The movie is Lonely Hearts and it's a short film by director Dennis Kahlo and actress slash producer Bethany Watson. Slash friend. Slash friend. You may have heard her on Ghost Adventures Adventures. She was on the show when William was off one week. She's really, really awesome. We kind of became podcasting friends. And you also might know her from Elvis Duran and the Morning Show and, of course, an Acquired Taste podcast. Yeah. And uh, Dennis Kahlo is a director, photographer, and podcaster with several acclaimed films under his belt, including The Weeknd and... 
Death and Disco Fries. So the film centers on Celeste, a lonely and pretty weird outcast who goes online to find connection. And when she does, a very special date ensues. Yeah. Uh, the, the entire movie is uh, brimming with hidden secrets, clues, twists. Every scene in the film has cinematic homages and visual treats that have audiences wanting to rewatch the film mm-hmm. just to catch them all. Um, it's very Hitchcockian. Yes. It's very old Italian horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like movies that have strong and funny female leads, you got to check it out. Lonely Hearts. Yeah, absolutely. So you can even catch those Hitchcock, Hitchcock references. Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Hitchcock references in the visual style. It's a really beautiful looking movie. And I'm not just saying that because my beautiful friend Bethany is in it. There are these really neat things. And even if you know Bethany from her Instagram, I feel like you'll be able to pick out some of those hidden secrets and clues there. I I won't say anything more, but there are some references to her pets that I found very, very fun. And so obviously they put sort of a personal touch into the movie and it's a complete labor of love in every way. Dennis pulled such long hours on the movie that he literally nearly passed out during a night shoot and had to brace himself on his camera's tripod to keep himself upright while they shot the final scene of the night. And luckily they got the shot. So it was, all worth it but we can definitely appreciate a labor of love oh my god yes william and i you know engage in one every week but this is on an entirely different scale Mm -hmm. um it's such a good movie it's beautifully shot i personally went into it knowing nothing about it except for what was in the trailer and i would suggest going in that way it's a short film so it's about 16 minutes long but it is so good so engrossing and hopefully we will be seeing more of it because bethany has talked about this on an acquired taste podcast so i feel like i can say it she and dennis are working on um stories and scripts to pitch to the shutter network for a tv series and i think just from watching this short film you can feel how much further it can go and i would say get on the ground level with this and watch it it's so enjoyable yeah be be part of it and be part of the culture around it mm-hmm. it's going to be streaming at several upcoming film festivals including the academy award qualifying nashville film festival this is like a legit thing yeah. and like someone we know who's like immensely talented is doing it i know there was a trailer for the nashville film festival on their instagram where they showed like little like blips of what's going to be showing at the film festival and there was a shot of martin scorsese and then a shot of bethany yeah oh my god that is insane (laughs) that is insane go to lonely hearts dot love that is lonely hearts dot love l-o-v-e uh go check it out congrats bethany this is so wild and cool it's awesome and there are a lot of opportunities to watch it including and especially that national film festival but if you go to lonelyhearts.love you'll see a list of where it's streaming you can buy tickets and you can watch the film's trailer to get a little taste yeah hell yeah Mm -hmm. congrats bethany and dennis it is so awesome it's so exciting yeah um, also just movies don't come out anymore. I know. It you know was what I mean? cool to it's see something, something new. new. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Guide to the Unknown is also brought to you by us, Guide yeah. to the Unknown. Head to gttupod.com. You're going to find links to our Patreon, where if you sign up for the Netherworld Warrior level, you're going to get access to a bunch of bonus material. Very, very recently, this past Sunday, we released a new episode of the Netherworld Dispatch, where Kristen and I tried to contact the spirit world using the Estes method. Mm-hmm. One of us wore a blindfold and headphones, and the other asked questions of the spirit world, and then we swapped did it work yes you know, no you know yeah who's to say it doesn't seem like it you know what? but we had a good time Can and it I, was interesting i'm gonna spoil it i don't think we did but really coincidental awesome stuff happened yeah yeah is that too sarcastic and non-believer of me no i th- i kind of said that as you were maybe thinking to say the next thing i said i don't think so no well, I, yeah, I was I was going to give away a little bit more, but then I realized, like... Eh. You can. At one point, I asked Kristen, who, again, is wearing a, a blindfold and headphones. I went, uh, uh, Spirit, uh, is there anything else you want to tell us? Just to leave the door open for mm-hmm. Kristen to say whatever. And Kristen, who cannot hear or see me, went, nope. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, that's either the best evidence on the planet or right. the worst. I, I don't even know where I sit with this. It was interesting and fun too. We definitely want to do it again in different contexts because we just did it like ourselves in the basement. And I think it'd be fun to do it somewhere that's said to be haunted and where they've said communication has happened. Yeah, totally. But anyway, you can check that out on Patreon. We also just posted our conversation with Chelsea Weber Smith of American Hysteria, which was super fun talking about horror movies mm-hmm. and sort of how uh, horror movies have been important to us. Yeah. Uh, which was very fun. And I know it, uh, people tend to like it when we like sort of share mm-hmm. our actual like lives a little bit. And there's a there's an ounce of that in there of like what horror movies really actually mean to us. Yeah. Also some good Scream 5 talk in there. Yeah, absolutely. Chelsea's one of our good friends. So it's just a very natural, easy conversation. Yes. And once again, huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. Coming on sale very soon because it comes out like next month. And I wrote stuff in the Blair Witch franchise. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is. You couldn't have written your crazy. life better in some ways. No, it's true. I got the job because I wrote a scream script for myself. Yeah. And now I'm working on Blair Witch. What's happening? It's awesome. What's happening? You deserve it. Is what's happening. Why? Thank you, Raj. You know You're what? Welcome. I do deserve. All right. I'm going to become that story. person. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I never. I'm Darcy and Stacey. She just had a moment of that. <laughs> Kristen texted me the other night. Can we sidebar on this? Real, 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 real quick. Yeah. Kristen texted me. I'm literally going to read a text that Kristen sent me because uh, for those of you who don't know, do you know like 90 Day Fiance? It's right. a show where it's like a reality TV show. So it's all people with horrible lives and we just watch it and laugh. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are good. Okay. Two of them got a spinoff. Darcy and Stacy. They're twins. Yes. And Kristen texted me this, I think literally last night. Oh my God, I just realized we are like Darcy and Stacy. We're siblings, have our business, and we have big dreams. Yes, we are. <laughs> Keep going. What else did I say? What? I said something else about how we're similar to them. We reach for the stars. We're empowered women. We know what we deserve. Right, because they're always talking in platitudes like that. They're like, you know, you just have to keep going. You have to reach for the stars. You have to know what you deserve. You know, just kind of go to the limit with it. <laughs> so. <laughs> this is like things you've heard a million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't remember reading this, but my response was, when you're right, you're right. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I read it. Absolutely. I don't remember reading that at all. <laughs> we reach for the stars. We're empowered women. We know what we deserve. When you're right, you're right. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you about another one of my topics from that book. Great. One that I had never heard of and I love. Let me tell you about Knitting Betty. Okay. Yeah. I, this was one we kind of grappled over during that live session. We both wanted Knitting Betty. Knitting Betty. Literally Betty who likes to knit. So the story goes that Betty Wirt, W-E-R-T, was a young woman whose beloved went away. And so she perched herself up on a rock on Sourland Mountain. Oh, yeah. I know that's a thing. Blech. To look for him to come back. She sat there knitting for three years. Which very much made me think about Mary Ellis, mm-hmm. who's a similar Just sort waiting. of story. Her her loved, her beloved went away and she, she sat on a hill looking out at the water. So Knitting Betty did much the same thing. Except Knitting Betty went on to have a life. <laughs> Not that Mary Ellis didn't, <laughs> but she, we know nothing of her. Which do? Knitting Betty, Betty Wirt, became a spy in the Revolutionary War. There were some cool stories in this book that, like, sorry to interrupt, but that I didn't go into super hardcore because yeah. they weren't part of the ghostliness of it. But there, people had some interesting lives. Almost everybody is interesting. I know, yes. You know I mean, but there are some particularly interesting stories in this For book. For sure. So uh, she would sit on that hill on a rock on Sourland Mountain, and she would watch the British troops do stuff. And she would report it back to the American generals. It was just kind of happenstance, it sounds like. She just kind of served in She the was war, there. You know, so yeah. So she may as well. Now, here's the thing. Betty Wirt got caught. Ugh. The author of the book, Michael Haynes, theorizes that she was probably executed and her head was put on a pike. Oh, my God. In the Bowery in New York, I believe. Like a giant knitting needle. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Her body may have been dumped into the dunes at Sandy Hook. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we're talking ghosts here. Her spirit lingered on in three forms. Number one, English Betty. For non-natives to the region, which you are now, but won't be soon. Be crossing the threshold into a native. Well, Mm -hmm. not really. She considers you the English because you are not from here. Oh. Right? So... When you see her, you might see her peacefully sitting on the rocks knitting. You're 
basically being spied on by knitting <laughs> Betty. Boy, she's gonna be disappointed. I know. Hope but she likes Darcy and Stacy. Once, uh, once uh, she gets to know you a little bit better, I guess you'll get to meet Dutch Betty, who uh, is sitting on the rock holding her decapitated head in her lap. Quote. While it spins round and round and asks you to help put it back on her shoulders. That is awesome. Never heard anything like that before. That's awesome. Her decapitated head is just spinning around and around and around in her lap. Oh. Then, of course, the third form, Black Betty. There's a large cloud in the sky lit from within. Inside, Betty's headless body can be seen sewing a pouch made from the flayed skins of people who commit evil in the mountains. Whoa. So she's getting revenge and doing some good. She's punishing evildoers on Sourland Mountain. I do have a short story of an encounter with uh, Knitting Betty. Mm -hmm. There's a story of a man who uh, lived on a farm. We've got to remember that this was over 100 years ago and... When it's dark out, it is dark out. Yeah. It is nighttime. The world is closed. Can't see. And he heard somebody outside trying to steal his chickens. So he goes out to defend the farmstead, to defend the animals, which are essentially his livelihood. He goes out there. He's got an itchy trigger, trigger finger, and he takes a shotgun, and he blasts the intruder dead. Grabs his lantern, walks closer. Wasn't an intruder. It was his wife. Ugh. He runs to the neighbors to get help. Eventually, the word gets to the police. They come to the farm to, to deal with the, the aftermath. They walk in to find the wife's body propped up in a chair at the dinner table with a hole blasted through her chest by the shotgun. Oh, my God. And the husband, well, he's no help. For he's sitting in the chair beside her with his head clean cut off. It's never found. Ooh. The whole event is attributed to Knitting Betty, who punished him for killing his wife. Oh, man. Right after this, just the way most things work, there was an uptick in, in uh, Knitting Betty sightings, making her a sort of little teeny tiny local legend to this yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right? See the micro story of it. Yes. It's not some big crazy thing that the entire world shared a picture of it or something like that. Right. It happened here. It was two people in the house. Mm -hmm. Must have been knitting Betty. Yeah. And you just look off to the mountains and that's all you can do. That's, Story's closed. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to tell you a story that's similar in the like, whoa, are you kidding me-ness of the before the paranormal stuff, just their lives. This is the story of the library ghost. Oh. This is another one that we both wanted. Yeah, I love the sound of this. It makes me think Ghostbusters, right? The gray yes. lady. Yes, or um, the, oh God, we covered a library on the show that was haunted. The yes, Willard Library. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this library is in Bernardsville Borough. So the building that is now the Bernardsville Library used to be a tavern. That tavern was also haunted also by the ghost of a woman whose name was Phyllis Parker. So if the legends are true, she had quite a life. She got engaged to a guy who came into town and he got really close to Phyllis and her father, who was the owner of this inn and tavern, um, whose name was Dr. Byram. And they got engaged in the 1700s. But then one day, this guy came into town who... Um, like Phyllis started talking to and she's like, oh, you're so cool. You're so nice. You should meet my husband, Dr. Byram. And she kind of wanted to show him off. She was really proud of her husband. They meet and the guy's like, you're not Dr. Byram. Oh, you're I think his name was I, I wish I, I wrote it down. It was like Aaron Wilkie. Let's say it's something Aaron W. They find out that Dr. Byram is not a thing. This is Aaron W. Who is a Tory spy. Oh, no. Yes. So. They want to go after Aaron W. and like prosecute him and, you know, arrest him for treason or whatever it would be. So even though he lied to her and he was kind of living this double life, Phyllis was still in love with him. So she helped him escape out a window so he could not be caught and got in trouble or whatever. Unfortunately, even though she helped him escape, he did get caught mm. and he was eventually hung. 
Now, even though he told Phyllis and her dad a fake story, they still really cared about him. And the dad said to the hangman or whoever does these things, let me take the body. Let me, um, you know, like I'll bury it and do all that kind of stuff rather than like whatever crap you guys are going to do. So brings it back to the inn and tavern, which Phyllis knew about, I presume. But then later that day or that night in the middle of the night, they heard this like screaming and crying from downstairs because Phyllis had made her way downstairs. She had been kind of like sick with grief, but she got up. She went down to the coffin. She opened the coffin and saw her lover dead. And the story is that she instantly um, went insane with grief and that she died of a broken heart. Not soon uh, or, or soon after that. Excuse me. So let's cut to the future. Phyllis became known as the library ghost because, again, the library replaced the tavern and the library was kind of by the local police station. So I thought this was just kind of a cool detail. Local police on their lunch break would park their squad cars um, facing the library to kind of try to catch a glimpse of Phyllis while they're just like taking their break and eating. And maybe they'll be able to see like a cool, creepy ghost. That's the kind of stuff that I would do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For sure. I used to park at the Mariella's grave and like mm-hmm. eat a sandwich there. Yeah. I've worked from home for the last like two and a half years. So sometimes I'd literally just take a lunch break, go out, get a sandwich, and then park by a grave. Mm-hmm. Or just um, looking. at my old job, I would just park by the woods and just look at them. Oh, yeah. I used to definitely just park by the woods and look while I'm eating a sandwich. Just at, look at, at them. jobs. Yeah. yeah. Just staring at um and they said that almost everyone on the squad had a story about having seen phyllis so library employees heard strange sounds and noises kind of like typical ghosty stuff books and different objects would go missing and equipment would malfunction so it seems like for this library and for this area phyllis is a total known quantity she's a thing you just accept that yeah there's phyllis the library ghost so the amazing kreskin you know who that is? Were you expecting sure. to hear about the amazing <laughs> no. Kreskin? I never could have anticipated that the amazing Kreskin would show up. I wasn't expecting to read about the amazing Kreskin. I thought he was like a Canadian guy. I don't know a lot about the amazing Kreskin. I'm going to confess to you. Okay. But I mean, you know, we're Northern. He was like a, a magician. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he also apparently held seances. And so he held a seance at the library in 1987 in an attempt to make contact with Phyllis. So this was a big deal in the yeah. town because the Amazing Kreskin was very famous. So only a certain amount of people could go inside and participate in the seance. But there were like crowds of people outside because this exciting thing was going on and they wanted to hear what happened or just kind of be part of this huge happening. Uh, so they started the seance, but apparently he stopped it midway because he said that he what was starting to happen there was beyond his control. And so the author of the book, Michael Haynes, said that he was able to watch footage from what of the seance happened, and it showed tables jumping around and the people inside yelling and freaking out. Kreskin said that the activity likely wasn't from Phyllis, but was from the strong energy of the crowds and people wanting so badly something to happen. Oh, so it was arguably one of two things. It was the Ouija board effect Mm -hmm. of everybody was sort of collectively started making the tables move. Right. Just to make something happen, even Mm -hmm. if it was subconscious. Mm -hmm. Or two, like a tulpa. They manifested an energy that was not of a ghost for real. It was was just their collective sort of like anxiety. Interesting. Or maybe it was somebody who's pushing the planchette on the Ouija board. And Kreskin had somebody in the crowd who's right. a phony doing a little baloney. jostle, a phony baloney. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Kreskin. Uh, Michael Haynes didn't seem to think phony baloney. He was like, the energy of the crowds thing is a kind of cool idea, makes sense. Michael Haynes. But he might not have be, wanted to say it. Michael Haynes, yeah. the author of this book, appears mm-hmm. to be full on believer, from what I can yes. tell. He also cited like seeing the great swamp devil or seeing yeah, you know, like like he had like personal stories of things yeah. that I often mm-hmm. didn't cite in my work. But same because a lot of times they'd be they're not as interesting. It's the kind of thing that's interesting if you experienced right. it. But just the same way that I glossed over where I was like, you know, ghost stuff happens, like books got misplaced, whatever. There are those kinds of stories. Right. Yeah. Um, cool, but just not that interesting to relay. The historical stories are just so much more sort of yeah. potent. Yeah. So cool. And they're expanded from what at least I said in this one. The story of Phyllis and all that is there's a lot more to it. I would totally recommend checking out this book for mm. all the expanded versions. So they said that it wasn't Phyllis, 
could have been another ghost. What? That was found to live in the Bernardsville Library that we didn't know about until a paranormal group came to investigate the library in 2011 and found that in addition to Phyllis, there is a spirit named Clara who is thought to be a former librarian and who may be responsible for the technical glitch side of this haunting. They also saw a man in 18th century garb. Could this have been Phyllis's spy reunited with her in the beyond? Yes. We may never know, but yes. The answer is yes. Yes. I thought you were going to say, in addition to Phyllis, there's Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. (laughs) That's right. That is an addition to Phyllis. Yeah. Um, Also, when you were talking about Kreskin, it made me think of this story. I went to D.C. once to visit a friend in college, and I saw, you know that guy from the infomercials? Yes, with the question marks. The question mark suits, and he'll help you do your taxes. Mm -hmm. I saw him in a store, and he was wearing a silly question mark suit. And I kind of gave him a look like, oh, my God, you're the question mark man or the exclamation point suit man. Oh, yeah, it is exclamation point. Yeah, he doesn't dress like the Riddler. He dresses like the exclaimer. Right. And uh, he shot me a look like, don't you dare acknowledge (laughs) me. I was like, you're the one wearing a suit covered in exclamation points, bro. I'm about to say, it's one thing if, you know, it's a celeb who's trying to fly under the radar and you call him out. But he's wearing the exclamation point suit. You're the question mark suit man, the exclamation point man from those commercials. Yes. You don't get to fly under the radar. You're clearly not trying to. Not like when I was in a vampire tour in New Orleans with The Edge from U2, who was just trying to live his life with his family. Isn't that awesome? I thought of that this week because I turned on the car and there was an ad for the radio where it's being like, hi, this is Paul McCartney. Hi, this is The Edge, whatever. And I was like, I know him. Oh, I thought it's funny that you don't think about him every time you turn on your car because the on sound of Kristen's car is hello, hello. Oh, Oh my God, Will. And the engine goes, hola. Hola. And then the car is ready to drive. Oh, my God. It's a cool joke, right? Oh, no. No, should we cut that out of the show? No, go on <laughs> with the story. Can you cut that out of the show this week? No, I can't. Okay. I don't know how. <laughs> I certainly suddenly don't know. She drives the, the U2 themed. Of a U2 fan car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost bought a Tony Stark car. That's true. And I went to, yeah, that was to cool, get though. my latest car. There was a whole like Hyundai Elantra, yes. a Hyundai Kona, a Hyundai Kona that was the Tony Stark version and i thought you were getting it like I you know. sent it i took to a me. picture of it yeah. for chris and i said this is the car i'm getting yeah and i was like okay listen i love me some marvel movies yeah i mean it's fun i think it'd be a fun weird thing it was painted with a special metallic finish that you're not allowed to get wet yeah really yes you had to basically like wash it with a diaper like in ferris bueller's day off you're not allowed to get wet it's for, like what about water rain? can damage it yeah Oh, my God. That's very impractical. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, all right. Here's my next story. And Mm -hmm. it is, man, do you want a Whopper? Let me get a little. I think you're probably going to take us out with a Whopper. I can take us out with a. Oh, are we leaving? Yeah, I think pretty soon. Okay, then I'll hit you with the Whopper. Yeah. This is one that, like, I I do not associate with New Jersey. I thought maybe much like the great Swamp Devil to to the Jersey Devil, it had to be, like, a lesser cousin of the headless horseman but no 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 i'm going to talk to you about the headless hessian mm. who is oh, that's right the headless horseman as it turns out the headless hessian of basking ridge is the full name okay so i mean you're going to say it but is this related to sleepy hollow then this is the inspiration for sleepy hollow okay and it comes from your new hometown the headless that's hessian so of cool. basking ridge hessians so that we're all on the same page are german soldiers all right. And in this case, uh, it turns out that uh, during the American Revolutionary War, a bunch of Hessian soldiers were basically made to fight for Britain, for England. And so for a lot of these guys, they were caught up in a war that they didn't really have mm-hmm. a part of. They were fighting for Britain against Americans and their Germans. Right. It's like, mm-hmm, okay, we're here. So there was a battle not far from Lord Sterling's estate. My God. The crossover. Uh-huh. The extended universe. It's true. The extended Somerset County paranormal yeah. universe. There were there was a crew of Hessian soldiers that were positioned awaiting battle. They thought that something might break out. They were just sort of standing watch. It came far more swiftly than anyone anticipated when the American cavalrymen suddenly appeared and swish immediately, immediately lopped off the head oh. of one of the Hessian soldiers. Here is from the book. It's said that a suddenly decapitated head can remain alive and conscious for 20 to 30 seconds before the blood finally drains from it. It makes you wonder. 
if the Hessian, his head coming to rest in a roadside ditch, might have actually seen his body and horse gallop away into the fog. Oh, my God. So that's rough. This would eventually spawn the the story of, of the legend of Sleepy Hollow with Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones. Mm-hmm. But those people are not part of this story. No, no. No, no. There's the, no salted egg the, in this story. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the Disney cartoon. Oh, that Disney cartoon is so good. Yeah, we watched awesome. that last year and oh, it still holds up. Uh, the true story of the Headless Hessian says that people of the area began to see the decapitated writer in the area of the Great Swamp. But he didn't want to take their head to replace his. It was headless. Yeah. You can't see. Okay. He doesn't even necessarily appear to know that anyone's there at all. He's riding in circles, confused, lost on his own out there in the swamp. Washington Irving would later hear the story and become inspired to write The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I also want to point out one last thing about it. Because there's not, there's not really a lot to the story. It's, a, it's actually a very simple notion. Like Washington mm-hmm. Irving added all of the like narrative wrinkles to it. Right. But at its core, it's a guy got his head cut off out of nowhere and is lost mm-hmm. riding around in the fog with no idea. Yeah, where to go. Where just to unresolved. Go. But this all happened near, again, the White Bridge Road. Where the great swamp devil was sighted by that uh, Dutch parson. Ooh. And uh, not only does that imply that the White Bridge Road might be some sort of a hot spot, but it also sounds a lot like Washington Irving's story where the covered bridge I know. is where you run to get safety from the headless horseman. Right. I don't know. Is that a place that you should go? The White Bridge Road. Also, white are those lights that are benevolent. Yeah. The White Bridge Road, does that mean safety? Is that your home base? Is that your Ali Ali Oxenfree when you move there? Maybe. I'll have to run for the White Bridge Road. I'll have to find out where this is. Kristen's going to be uh, traveling down a long road in the fog to get to her new house, hearing yeah. the frogs just go, Ichabod, Ichabod, Ichabod. <laughs> Whistling to herself to calm herself down, then, yeah! <laughs> and see the headless hessian yeah i love that cartoon oh i do too it's so good i mean hauling ass told toward white bridge road oh yeah well Will, i actually think i there's a little bit more time i can take us out with one. Oh, okay okay this is gonna be the last one this is red eyes do you know about this is this old red eye i don't know what's old red eye i don't know but i've heard the name before okay That's the best i can associate so it's new jersey's version of red of bigfoot I think I have heard of this. I was vacillating between, I can't believe I haven't heard of this, and I think I've heard of this when yeah. I was reading it. I'm really not sure, but this is from Bedminster, this this stuff happened. It was given the name by, again, colonists who heard about the creature from the, the Lenapes, or possibly some of them saw it themselves. Um, the name came from the color that the creature's eyes flashed at night, red or sometimes orange. Some people called him orange eyes, which doesn't sound as good. I would go with yeah, red eyes. red eyes is way better. Yeah. Either way, most animals' eyes flash yellow or blue. So this was notable and weird that in the dark you see this red or orange flash. It was also believed that the color of a creature's eyes belied its intent, and red eyes are evil. Mm. And so since orange is just a hop, skip, and jump away from red, there's trouble no matter what. If you're seeing red or orange eyes, no good. So sightings of red eyes died down in the 18 and much of the 1900s as New Jersey's forests and wildlife were taken over by construction. But when the major construction boom died down and people started creating more housing here than just kind of like agricultural or production stuff, forests and wildlife returned, including red eyes. And I didn't write this here, but it was it was in the chapter and I thought it was interesting. Even with New Jersey being the most densely populated state in America, we still have more forest land and stuff that is untouched than touched land. Isn't is that, that surprising? Right? Uh, you know, I want to say it's surprising, except Allie and I just this past weekend tried to go to the Pine Barrens. That's true. The Pine Barrens just themselves alone are incredibly massive. Huge. I thought we were going to go to the Pine Barrens and see some Jersey Devil stuff. Mm-hmm. I did not know that the Pine Barrens are comprised of like 
50 different state parks. Yeah, they span. It's huge. Right. Like, if you're driving on the New Jersey Turnpike South, the Pine Barrens are by you for, like, a ton of the ride. Yeah, I think when people think of New Jersey, even the stereotypes of New Jersey, they're thinking of Newark. Mm-hmm. or those factories when you're coming in from New York. Yes. You know, and like they think like New Jersey, factories, stinky, LOL, LOL. Stinky, LOL, and malls. I don't know if people still think of malls being very New Jersey, but huh. that certainly was a thing. Is that right? Yes. But no, it's it's the Garden State. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, of like woods. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of lush greenery to be found. Oh, so lush. So lush. Um, so... <laughs> So they started building housing again and stuff, and um, forests and wildlife came back, including old red eyes. Oh, no. Not old blue eyes. Old red eyes. <laughs> reports of him resumed in the late 1890s and then saw a bigger boom of reports of red eyes in the 1970s and 80s. And I wonder if that's because maybe the legend got passed down, passed right. down, passed down, and just, I don't know, hit a generation of people who were like, on the lookout for red eyes. So there's a spooky place called Ravine Lake that has its own legends and paranormal stuff. So people would go out there and check it out. One night in 1986, a husband and wife got lost there during the afternoon. And since the roads are too narrow over there to pull over, they stopped in the middle of the road to try to figure it out. While they were stopped, they saw something in their rearview mirror that they couldn't believe. It was a creature walking on two legs with one arm dangling at its side and hair so dark that they couldn't discern any features. They were so shocked they didn't turn around to look. They just kept looking. They just kept straight ahead, but they're looking at it in their rearview mirror. Ooh. The creature approached the car and nudged the back of the car with its hip, like hip checked the car and then turned around and went back the way it came. Now, car bumping is apparently a trademark of red eyes tag. with similar, yeah, You're with it. similar like tag reports from 1930 and 1966. So, could this like interaction with cars explain the other weird thing about the creature, or maybe were they just like so overtaken by fear that they weren't taking in things? Here it is. Neither the husband or wife saw a head on the creature. It basically looked like it ended at shoulders with no protuberance of a head. They later came to wonder if there was a head, but the shape of it, like the you know negative space of your like neck and shoulders, was obscured by its second arm, maybe with a dislocated shoulder wrapping around their head. Because oh. they only had one arm hanging down, and then they were wondering if the other one was wrapped around, creating the shape that they saw. That's so weird. Like it was and, resting its arm on its shoulders. Yes. And so maybe it got injured in... A, a car bumping gone wrong? I don't know. Ooh, that's yeah. so weird. Yes, very, very strange. So red eyes. Red eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the 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 notion of the creature possibly being in pain. You know, when you hear stories about Bigfoot or something, it doesn't limp. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we always assume that these creatures are uninjured and in fine standing Vital. in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting that red eye might be like i'm gonna say the word zombie but you know what i mean yeah. like in 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 some stage of um uh damage yeah that's really odd yeah one arm hanging and then maybe the other one was like dislocated yeah very very weird and very animalish like yes. a cryptid as just like an animal that's mm-hmm. getting by like you know you see them online and stuff where it's like here's a duck who like you know is missing a foot mm-hmm. and yet it is still alive and yeah yeah they find ways okay. to adapt right yeah it's like red eyes been through it yeah red eyes lived a life yeah he's really dealt with it that's interesting yeah so much for you to consider Kristen. i know i know who are you gonna make friends with first new land the, the 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 dead river witch the great swamp devil red eyes i think i want to get knitting betty on my side you probably want knitting betty on your side she seems to punish yes the other so, ones don't really punish as much i want to make good with with knitting betty i think you know Allie loves to knit yes you could probably get her to go in there make make mm-hmm. a good connection for you or something absolutely Allie can ask about patterns yes yeah. what kind of fiber are you using oh you fiber craft mm-hmm. you know today we yeah, call you fiber lingo. crafting betty right <laughs> <laughs> get her up on that the could be stuff. condescending really not helpful if i was like you know today we call you fiber crafting oh, betty. right i mansplained like, it. You're, n- you're not from yeah. this time you're just right. so you know so I think I would reverently still call her Knitting Betty. 
Maybe, but but I might she refer want to be to... known as Knitting Betty? We don't know. That's true. That's just, maybe she, you know what? Maybe she just wants to be Betty. Yeah. How about that? How about we take away the stigma yeah. of the haunting and everything? And I just see her as her. Yeah. You get to be Betty. Whoever you want to be. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm Kristen. Hi, I'm Betty. <laughs> I'm going to oh. carve your skin off your face and sew it into a pouch. Oh. Okay, that's cool. Okay. It's all good. You do you. I'm going to back away. It's all good. Hey, nice to meet you. Have a good one. Have a happy and a healthy. I'm out. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. And you too at home. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. That was super fun. I hope you all had a good time. Yes. At GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to keep in touch. That's right. And go to GTTUPod.com to find links to all sorts of stuff. You can find our Patreon, our merch store. It's a really good GTTU hub. Hell yeah. And thank you so much to Bethany. Go check out Lonely Hearts. It is so awesome. Make sure that you go to lonelyhearts.love, L-O-V-E, to watch the trailer and then get tickets to watch the movie at the Nashville Film Festival. And root. Root for Lonely Hearts. Yes. Yeah, champion. Lord knows we are. All right, everyone. If you want to talk to us individually, you can also hit us up online. Yep. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much. We'll be back next week for more spooky old stories. This time from you but until oh, that time comes, we should say if you have i'll post it on social media too if you have spooky stories from your life please email them to gttupod at gmail.com because we're doing a listener stories episode next week yeah so if you have anything please send it if you've already sent it we got it and look forward to that next time yeah and i should also uh, on top of that if you do have a paranormal experience or you know someone who does have them send as well mm-hmm. and it doesn't make this cut we hold on to this stuff yes. forever so it might make its way into a future listener stories episode but next week we're telling scary stories from all the people out there that watch and listen to this show mm-hmm. really looking forward to it yeah so until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld go we And to Somerset. Yeah, to Somerset go you. Mm-hmm. That is very exciting. Go me and mommy. How do you how do you and are Ryan. you sleepy? Are you anxious? Uh I'm betrayed, anxious. bewildered. I'm betrayed, bewildered. I pierced the toast. Yeah. Um, I just want to get it done. Yes. yes. I'm done with moving. Yes. I want to have moved. Correct. Yeah. You're in the real fun of it where like Kristen's like waiting for the closing to yeah, happen. Yeah, yep. All that stuff, which uh, it, for me was a nightmare. So yes. I, I can empathize. Yeah, not enjoying it, but almost there. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah.